Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer and my guest this week is Bill Farber. And I didn't know about Bill uh, up until a few weeks ago and then uh, he came to my town, Fairfield, Iowa, uh, to do some healing sessions. And um, somehow I got it into my head that he would be an interesting person to interview. Um, this might be a deviation <laughs> from, our, from our usual interviews in the sense that, uh, you know, but but maybe not. I mean, most of the people I interview, it's all about they're having had a spiritual awakening, and we try to get into describing that. And maybe Bill has had one, and maybe that's how he has uh, acquired some sort of healing abilities. So we'll find out. Um, so welcome, Bill. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, a, Bill lives in the Chicago problem. area, right? Uh, that's correct. And uh, as I understand it, there's a very brief sketch about you on your... Uh, website, which is BillFarber.com, and it says you learned to meditate many years ago, back in the 70s, I guess, huh? Yeah, it was 71. Okay. Pretty early 70s. Yeah. And uh, why don't you just kind of start telling your story, and I'll, I'll kind of ask you to elaborate and embellish it at various points during it. Um, you know, were you always inclined towards spiritual things? Did you ever feel in the past that you would end up working as a healer, um, you know, how, how did you end up where you well, are? interestingly enough, the answer to both is emphatically no. Uh -huh. When I was growing up, uh, I really had no interest at all in what we would say spiritual or metaphysical or uh, subject matter such as that, uh, all the way through essentially uh, grammar school, high school, and college, I really still didn't have an interest in it, the least that I knew of. I Looking back, there was something underlying that probably was there, must have been, mm -hmm. but something that kind of trailed along, following me along, you know, like sneakily in some way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but after college, uh, graduating in 1970, like many people that, at that time, I was a little bit uh, disoriented, didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. I was, I was married at that time, though, to my, my wife I'm still married to. Mm -hmm. It was a very stabilizing and fortunate thing for me, and very lucky. However, I was a very depressed person, kind of aimless, um, maybe a little too much uh, dependent on some you know, artificial means of raising my spirits, <laughs> and uh, just kind of uh, maybe 60 pounds heavier than I am now at that time. And I, I really didn't know what to do with my life, uh, where I was going with, with things, really a deep discontent, a deep, I wouldn't even call it a questioning at that time, other than get me out of this misery. Yeah. So uh, one day my sister showed up at our apartment and said, oh, I met this guy on the L in Chicago. He sat next to me, he's rapping to me about this meditation that he does. So all hyped up about it, excited. And uh, she said, I decided to, to do it. I went to this talk the other night and uh, I said, you know what? Let me know how that goes. It sounds like something that I need if it'll get me out of whatever this, this, this I'm in now. So she went and she took this course, meditation course, came back all excited and all that, says, okay, that's it for me, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. She says, well, I guess you got to warn you about one thing. I said, what's that? She says, well, there's, they got this 15-day requirement. <laughs> I said, what's that? <laughs> she says, well, you can't use, you know, a marijuana or other recreational drugs for 15 days or else they won't, they don't want you, they won't teach you. I said, you know what? I'm doing it. I don't care. I can't live this way anymore. There's got to be something more to life than this. So I, I set up. I, they had a 
as you probably know, they have an introductory talk and then a second uh, more preparatory talk. Yeah, it's transcendental this. meditation that you're referring to. Yes, yeah. uh, that's what I'm referring to. Right. So I went to the introductory talk. Some things stand out in your mind because they're memorable. And at the end of the talk, he, he started talking about the 15 days. And so I raised my hand and I said, hey, uh, does that 15 days start tonight or tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> and the whole place laughed. You know? I said, well, he said, why do you ask? I said, well, I'm having a party tonight, like a goodbye party, a goodbye pot party. Uh-huh. He said, no, it starts tonight. Uh. So I thought to myself, you know, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. So I called my friends. I said, there ain't no party tonight. <laughs> so I went, you know, I went to the the initiation uh, instruction uh, ceremony. And uh, I was expecting to feel this way or that way, like it would be nice. But I really wasn't prepared for, for what I experienced. It was an utter, complete arresting of my current life up to that point, my experience of what, what life was. It was an indescribably deep, transformative thing. And it happened, it snuck up on me like, what? Huh. You know, this couldn't have happened based on the simple thing this guy just told me. So you mean that was your immediate reaction, right? Within, My immediate reaction. Within that first session, it was like, within the first holy instant. mackerel, what was that? Within, yeah. Right, holy yeah. mackerel, what was that? Maybe <laughs> not an exact quote. And what was that? But, I mean, exactly what did you experience? Um, what I experienced was an, was an utter a letting go. It was a letting go of a feeling of all this weight being carried, this, these deep concerns, these questions, this feeling of aimlessness. All that just lifted. Mm-hmm albeit momentarily at the time. Right. And then, of course, they asked me to write down my experience. I wrote for like 20 minutes. I, my hand would not stop going across the face like this. I couldn't say enough. Yeah. And after that, my life was never the same. Not to say that it didn't fluctuate, obviously. It wasn't an instant enlightenment, quote-unquote, experience. But it was a, a significant enough, dramatic shift in something I'd never experienced before that I really had such a deep appreciation for the value of having an experience and then wanting to know about it afterwards, rather than someone cramming you full of information, facts, philosophies, you know, and then then teaching you something. The way this was done was a, a basic description of what it is and maybe some something about how it works. But, you know, it's it's uh it's really left to you to have the experience. Right. And afterwards the experiences are explained uh, embellished, uh, you know, and you have deeper understanding because you want to know what is this? Where yeah. does this come from? Uh-huh. You know, what does it mean? And I became, you know, maybe obsessed with finding out these things. Of course, at the time I was just getting starting law school. At the time, and I was busy, so I had a full time job in law school at night. So wow. I was, if I wasn't in law school, I was studying. If I wasn't studying, you know, I, I was at work. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was really no leisure time. Uh, but I'll tell you, I was brutally fanatic about not missing these meditation sessions. I mean, you know that joke about if your house is on fire, you know, you get up and then you finish your meditation? That was me. (laughs) Would you do them on the L or what? When did you get a chance to actually do it? uh, Sometimes I'm back and forth. Not on the L, but the train. The L was a little bit too (laughs) too intense. The the commuter train was a little better later on. Uh Um, Maybe a little bit too much of a policeman about everybody else doing theirs, you know. But um, anyway, so that... That was a big experience for me. And then to move on to the, to the healing work, in the late 80s, around 89, I was introduced to the concept of uh, Qigong mm-hmm. and ener- energy work. And I really wasn't familiar with it before. 
And I said, well, what is that? You know, so basically, the, what I experienced with it was, it was really a, kind of a, a revelation for me because all those years of uh, the meditation and understanding that not only does it work within yourself, but it, it, has a radiate, it radiates out to the environment and to other people. But with the Qigong and with energy work, what happens is you actually can direct energy to someone mm -hmm. intentionally, and it's a very direct personal experience and a personal connection. And it's almost like this consciousness, that's, that's this unbounded consciousness, becomes like focused like a beam. Hmm. And it actually can, can have an effect, an immediate effect on the person's well-being physiologically or psychologically or mentally. Mm -hmm. So as I started to experiment with it, uh, I was real impressed with it. And then I, a, a friend of mine uh, had a, uh, taken a class in Reiki, and I thought, well, that sounds interesting. you know. So I took a weekend... Reiki training, that's really what, what did it for me, really locked it in, mm -hmm. because it was very much like meditation for me. It was very simple, uh, uncomplicated. I didn't really know what to expect from it. No one told me so much, you're going to feel this. Yes, they said, you know, people feel relaxed, they feel certain things, but they, I wasn't prepared for the extent and the depth of the thing, hmm. similarly to my experiences in meditation. Right. So I got real excited about that, and I started, every, everybody I knew, I was trying it out on them, you know, and... <laughs> And I took some advanced training with the master training and uh, started teaching. I've been teaching uh, that particular system for about 20 years. Oh. And, uh, but people would report back to me when I was working on them that they felt something a little different or maybe something, you know, in addition to what they normally felt from a typical session. Mm -hmm. And they would encourage me to investigate more deeply into, you know, what this really was I was doing. Um, and as time went on, it kind of deepened and it got to be more and more of my own my own quality to it. Huh. And, um, and now, I basically, what I call, I don't really call my work Reiki, and I don't really call it healing, I call it the Life Energy Alignment Program. Mm -hmm. And the energy alignment which occurs sometimes produces healing, but it's the purpose of it isn't healing, it's aligning the person's energy within, aligning the energy within the, within the person individually and also aligning it with their highest possible potential in the form of consciousness and also their highest potential physiologically, psychologically, and mentally that they can possibly reach, you know, in the current circumstances. Hmm. Um, and I've been, you know, it's a tremendous uh, uh, joy to do because in my experience it doesn't drain me. It's like I'm not giving the person my energy. Right. What I'm doing is bringing in, you could say, universal energy and facilitating the flow of that energy to them. And my ability is that I can feel, generally speaking, where that energy is moving within them. Hmm. And it could be done on the, in a long distance as, e as well as it could be done in person because, of course, energy is non-local, it's, non it's universal, it's present everywhere, right. equal. So it's, it's kind of interesting what I found when I started doing the distant work was that you know we all understand the omnipresence of energy, mm -hmm. the omnipresence of the consciousness, and how... Everything that exists is contained within this field, and really is that field. But we don't all experience it. We understand it, we believe it, we feel it within ourselves, maybe during meditation. But I started to actually being able to prove this to myself, because say I'd be sitting in my, in my office in Chicago or in my house, and talking to someone in Canada or even Australia, and instantly, not only do they feel the energy connecting with them, but I can feel what's going on in their body. Hmm. I report it to them and they confirm it back to me. So how could it not be true? 
Is this are, something that you, they kind of go into a, a meditative state with their eyes closed and you kind of tune in on them, or can it just happen in the course of a normal conversation? It, it happens in the course of a normal conversation. Hmm. They can, if they want, close their eyes. Uh -huh. But there's no requirement, quite honestly, I do a lot of my work back and forth, driving back and forth downtown Chicago when really? I'm driving. You mean you, while you're driving, you're talking to Well, I'm driving, I'm talking, <laughs> right. I do a lot of my, I probably shouldn't say this, but I do a lot of my sessions uh, driving back and forth to work, my downtown uh, job, hmm. and uh, it's, it has, doesn't affect the, it doesn't disturb the effectiveness at all because it's not, I'm not giving them the energy. Right. I'm actually, I'm, I'm using a certain attention on them, a certain type of attention, with an intent that this universal energy connect, they're already connected to it, obviously, so it amplifies the connection and it starts to flow. And then I sense where the flow is going and, and the energy will do exactly what is needed. I don't direct it. Huh. So the energy has an omniscient quality. So, so it, um, could we do it right now with me or would it make the interview kind of boring because we'd have to be quiet or something like that? I mean, well, it, it would make the interview boring, but why don't we do this? Why don't we just have the intent that as we go on, I'll just start the energy rolling for you. Okay. And if you actually, if, if it were appropriate, if you were to actually make comments of what's going on in my body or something like that, that's fine with me. You can say it during the interview. I don't care. Okay. Um, right. It's possible. <laughs> I can't, yeah. interestingly enough, it's not something I, I do on purpose. Right. It's something, and I make it very, I try to be as clean as I possibly can as far as having an agenda. Right. Because if it's my agenda, it may not be the agenda of the energy. Mm -hmm. this, the energy has this, as I said, it has a, an omniscience to it or an all-knowingness. The energy will connect with the person and it will sense or know what it is that person needs the most. Huh. Now, the person may come to me and say, I got a headache. Right. My course, as a human being, I want, I want their headache to, to be better, to go mm -hmm. away. And I could start the energy moving with them, and then they may notice that it's going to their stomach or their foot or something, not huh. their head. And it could be that something else that's concerning them of a, of a bigger import to their lives is facilitated or resolved, and the headache is maybe still there. Mm. Or the headache goes away as a byproduct of that other thing. Yeah. So it's not a very specifically focused, directed thing. Mm -hmm. Now, as I said, someone comes to me with an illness, or I'm not a doctor, I don't claim to cure diseases. Right. But the energy will find its way and it will self prioritize. Mm -hmm. So it may start in one thing, then it goes to the next thing, and, and depending upon whether we have a half hour, or an hour, or whatever the situation is. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of sit back and, I'll, and just watch, and then I'll. I will comment if I feel that it helps the person to let go of something. Mm. I'll say, hmm, something's going on in, your, in the upper abdomen. What do you feel there? And they may report back, well, I feel X, Y, Z, and I'll assist them verbally in maybe letting something go. Hmm. I do use some of these release techniques that are out there, like Sedona method type things where right. I, have, I encourage the person to feel what's happening and then let go of it. The thing is, though, is that the energy current is moving through them. So when they when they do release something, it it just shoots out so much faster than if the energy weren't moving through them. Hmm. I still encourage them to use those things, you know, when they're not in energy sessions as a tool, but they really are amplified tremendously. And this is just something I stumbled upon last about three four years ago, to combine sometimes combine the energy work with some of these other more techniques about intentionally letting go of things. Mm -hmm. um, it'll let go without that, but it'll let go faster sometimes with that. Hmm. So sometimes I'll mix and match that type of thing. 
So, so it really makes no difference to you whether you're sitting quietly in your office with somebody or talking to them on the phone. Your lower or, back is getting some energy now. Is it? Huh. And it's moving like up your spine. Huh. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Uh, or driving in the car. It really makes no difference exactly what you're doing in order to be able to do this. No. No. It doesn't, doesn't distract you. I mean, if you're driving your car, obviously a certain large percentage, hopefully, of your attention is involved in what's in, in driving the car. You know, it's Oprah, still, yes. Oprah right. Winfrey would be rather upset with you if, if she knew you were, uh, she's on a campaign to get people to stop using their cell phones while they're driving. Uh, <laughs> yes, she is, you know, um, and I, I think she's right about that. Yeah. But this does not distract me. Hmm. It's almost like, you know, when you're driving a car, it's, you don't really think about driving the car. If you're, if you know, if you're, unless you're a brand new driver, right? Or if you're on a treadmill, you can make a phone call. You know, your feet go know what to do without your conscious attention yeah. directing your feet. It's sort of like that with the energy work. I don't really need conscious. I'm not controlling it. I'm aware of it. Mm -hmm. So I can be aware of several things at once and still not lose my drivability. So I'm not is, saying optimum, oh, but uh, I'd rather be sitting quietly in my office if, if I can. But right. it's really not. It's it's not a significant uh, difference. So what is your subjective experience uh, that would enable you to know what the energy is doing in my lower back several hundred miles away from you? I mean, what is, you know, like if I hear a dog barking outside, I hear a dog barking outside and I can tell you mm -hmm. about it, uh, but that everybody understands how that works. In, in this case, you know, you're sitting a few hundred miles away. Um, mm -hmm. what, what perception are you having uh, that enables you to know what's happening in my lower back or whatever? It's well, <laughs> I don't feel it in my back. No. So it's not a, it's not a super empathic type of thing. Uh -huh. Some people would actually feel that in their own body. Some some people do healing work. Right. I don't do that. I, I'm completely detached from it. At the same time, it's almost like I sense it in your body, huh. and I, so I can I can feel it as it's moving through the other person, and I and sometimes I get visuals, but not too much. It's mostly a I would say a, a, a clairsentience. Is that the word for it? Like I think it might being be. able to feel something at a distance? Yeah. Uh, not particularly clairvoyant. That happens from time to time, but it's primarily clairsentient, hmm. where I can, I just feel. I mean, I, I have, I become an Id almost identified with them to the point where I can feel what's going on. Mm -hmm. But also, there's a, there's a detachment hmm. where I don't get wrapped up in it personally. Right. And because of that, it's, it's, I can, I can, they can, they can go through some big releasing and big shifts, mm -hmm. and it doesn't, disturb my equilibrium hmm. so I can stay with them in a very silent place yeah even if I'm talking but you know what silent means in this regard it's mm -hmm. a it's an it's a steady like grounded quiet space that I stay in right no matter what is going on with them so because of that quiet space that I can hold they can really let go of a tremendous amount of stuff in a very short time hmm. and have break sometimes really big breakthroughs which is really a tremendous thing to experience or to, or to participate in huh yeah you know. Have you um, had big breakthroughs yourself over the years, as, uh, aside from you know your initial profound experience with meditation? I mean, you know, sometimes people talk about shifts or spiritual awakening. I've had so many I can't count. Just stage so, after stage after stage. Stage after stage. So I can't really say I was watching. I mean, it's, you get addicted to watching your your interviews on your website. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You know, like I have the, I don't have already enough to do. <laughs> yeah. But they're fascinating, and just watching these different people. 
and they remember a day and time when this thing happened. Yeah, they can know? mark it on the calendar or something. Yeah, which is it's incredible. But they all admit that, that it probably wouldn't have happened had certain other things hadn't happened first. Right. Or they've been in a state of readiness of some kind. Mm -hmm. For me, there's been a lot of those, you could say, steps, but I can't say that there was one final step so that made like before and after there was an utterly different thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's more of a gradual uh but fairly rapid, and of course we all go through, you know, it's been 40 years, you know, so sure. we go through shifts and then things get flattened and they get shifted again. Mm -hmm. But the energy work, since I started doing that, for me the biggest shifts for ha have happened when I facilitate people's shifts uh, that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's almost like a, I, I can kind of experience their breakthroughs. Interesting. And, and the other thing, the other major experiences I've had, interestingly enough, have been working on very highly advanced people huh. and for example uh, I had the, the, the good fortune to be introduced to a saint from India about mm -hmm. nine years ago I was just visiting friends here in Chicago that right older now. gentleman that uh, uh, Bapuji they call yeah, him yeah yeah I've met him yeah yeah okay <clears throat> he comes oh to you met when he was in Fairfield yeah he comes to Fairfield yeah so uh, when I first met him I was the only Westerner that was around him for about a few months mm -hmm. and then I started telling some meditator friends about him and I said hey you know this is unbelievable you just come on over and sit in someone's living room you're sitting with you know a major fully realized saint who has no movement he was a completely a different type of lifestyle you know yeah uh, different different tradition the Dattatreya tradition mm -hmm. I learned a lot about that too <clears throat> but he actually you know encouraged me or permitted me to do energy work with, on mm -hmm. him I'm thinking, you know, why would he need energy work from someone like me? But for whatever reason, you know, he said, come on. So he would lie down in the bed. Mm -hmm. And I've got some pictures of me working on this, this saint. And, and then his people were there video, videotaping him. <laughs> you know. And my experience was, was really remarkable. Because mm -hmm. with most people, you could feel energy being taken in by them. Yeah. It's almost like someone who hasn't had a drink in a year, mm -hmm. who gets a drink of water. And it's like, oh. Yeah. It's like, where have you been? You know, and, and you can feel it's almost like they become revived. And not all the time, but quite frequently, you know, people are really hungry for this particular type of energy. And so when I started working on the Bapuji, for maybe two or three minutes, I could feel his body was taking in energy. This is a physical body, right. you know, a human body. After that, something different happened. And the only way I could describe it is, is that he would take the energy in and it would literally blast out of him hmm. to the environment and first the immediate environment and then a larger environment and then, a, and then the galaxy literally I could see the, his energy permeating the, the entire universe Wow! And I thought to myself this is what it means to be so full it's not like he tried to do it right his natural state was mm -hmm. it'll take enough for subsistence right okay then everything else is given. Hmm. My cup runneth over. Yeah, and literally, his it was running over. I could feel it running over. Interesting. And it was blasting through me, which was a nice thing for me. Yeah. And it just, it just, it, you know, undis, in this really indescribable. I'm doing a, a moderate job of describing it, uh, moderate to poor. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it, that was an incredible experience. Of course, for me, after that, actually, I think I had a headache for three days. <laughs> that blasted me way off my normal comfort zone. Huh. Uh, but I've had I've had a 
opportunities to work on very advanced people. And there are several, you know, advanced or teachers that have, you know, even followings of people that will allow, will ask me to work on them, and they won't let anyone else touch them or deal or deal with their energy mm-hmm. because they're sensitive to energy, right. rightfully so. Because when you're dealing in these energetic levels or energetic frequencies, um, if they aren't clean or, or you know, you could there could be a little disturbance or a little static that can come up. Mm. Have you ever gone to see Ama? Amachi? Yes, yes. What, what's your experience around her? I love being around her. Yeah. Uh, with me, uh, I have delayed reactions to things. So with her, the first time I met her, you know, I stood in, I waited in line, and I moved up, and I thought, come on already, you know, I'm looking at my watch. <laughs> and <laughs> so I get up there, I get the, the nice hug and all that, and it was really beautiful, you know, and I said, okay, see you guys later, i got to get down, down to work. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving down the expressway to Chicago, about 20 minutes later, I thought my head was going to blow off. <laughs> Literally went, pow! <laughs> I thought, oh my God! You know, so it was like, it was almost like an after effect that happened like a half hour later. Yeah. That happens to me a lot with people. Like, while I'm with them, it's almost like, okay, it's an ordinary, you know, it's nice, it's good vibes and all that. But then I, I usually feel it later, you know. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I guess it's the way my nervous system works. The reason I thought of her because you were talking about Bapuchi sort of flowing over and yes. how much energy and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, she's famous for these marathon sessions of, of hugging people. And recently it was her 57th birthday. And mm-hmm. uh, she did a session where I don't know how many tens of thousands of people she gave darshan to, but basically she was on the stage for 24 hours nonstop. Wow. Uh, you know, some of it was bhajans and a talk and all that, but there were 19 straight hours of, of darshan sitting on the couch. And you know, people who may not be familiar with her, she doesn't even get up to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's 19 hours hugging people one after another in the Indian heat um, and uh, always looking sort of fresh as a daisy pretty much. Um, well, I will say this, not to compare what I do to her by any stretch of the imagination, but I will say that I can do this energy work literally all day, 10 hours, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, I feel completely, totally bliss, blissful and quiet, like I haven't done anything. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I imagine understand. it's, I imagine it's uh, you know, gives you more than you... It gives me much more than, than, than yeah. because it has to come through me first, and it, it just, it's just a wonderful, uh, uh, like a bliss, bliss banquet is what I call it. It's just, it's just such a, a, a win-win, you know. Yeah, I'm sure that's the way it works with her, too. I mean, she's not oh, using her personal energy, so to speak, to do this. Right. It's, it's, she's just a conduit for something much. A complete, much. utter conduit. I mean, there's nothing in there that you could call it a, an individual, really. Yeah. You know, in the sense that we would consider individuals usually. Right. There's just this maybe a little tiny bit of identity. So yeah. she could say it. So someone could say Amma, and she'll turn around. That's right. about it. Some Lesha yeah. Vidya. What is your experience in that regard? How much individual is there for you? It fluctuates a lot. There's mm-hmm. almost none when I do the energy work. Uh-huh. Uh, someday that'll spill over and completely, I, I really feel, but it fluctuates a lot mm-hmm. for me. But I always, quite honestly, I have an unshakable conviction about the truth. Hmm. And so even when I go through, you know, the, the emotional things and the you know, business things and the day-to-day challenges. I never, I never lose that, that basic underlying understanding. Right. And I'm never completely knocked off balance. Yeah. And when you say so, understanding, I presume you don't mean intellectual understanding. No, it's like, not intellectual. Like I've got it all figured out. Oh. It's more of an experience it's a, thing. It's an inner knowingness. It's a knowingness, right? It's right. a knowingness. The intellect agrees with it, though. Right. right. The intellect understands. The non-dual, you know, the Advaita type mm-hmm. non-dual reality. Right. 
and and it's for me it's not a philosophy it's just it's just a you could say it's a conviction in the intellect and a knowingness inside mm -hmm. the personality it does what it does you know it goes through you know ups and downs changes in you know perception changes in mood and i think that's pretty much true for everybody mm -hmm. Even the people that quote unquote have claimed awakening, I think they will all say that there are still fluctuations in life. Uh, crises happen, relationships with people, people get sick, this and that. Mm -hmm. And so the difference is, is that there's a an absolute understanding, which has permeated beyond the intellect into the core, where it's just you just know the yeah. truth, yeah. you know. And no matter what, how much you your personality may think it's uh, it's kind of whacked out. This underlying truth just never fades. And can you elaborate on what you mean by truth? I mean, I have a sense of it, but um, you know that word gets bandied about a lot and is sometimes used in a dogmatic sense. So, what do you mean by truth? Well, this kind of truth really we can't talk too much about. You know, the, the best I could do would be the truth is that you know I am not the personality. I am not the fluctuating changing part of my experience. Mm -hmm. I'm the I part is completely untainted and, and is always just purely present. Mm -hmm. And I am the, that's what I am. So right. I, I have a, no doubt either intellectually about that or in the no, on the knowing level about that. Mm -hmm. The the personality continues along its merry way and has ups and downs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And some days I will have to sit and and sit down and you know center and release for a while mm -hmm. just to reestablish that mm -hmm. but i would say i could never be completely thrown off right you know there might be temporary you know ups and downs or glitches with it but I, i'm i'm firmly established at least within that understanding and the conviction has gone deep mm -hmm. but as i said before i don't claim to have all of a sudden have some dramatic thing and, say, and then it happened at you know three o'clock on a wednesday something yeah. like that no, it doesn't so always happen me, that, that way has, for people you know it's sure. like I heard a nice uh, metaphor a while back that I think I've mentioned in one or two of these interviews, but and you may have heard me say it. But um, you know, it's like you could be out walking and get caught in a sudden downpour, right? And you, you can look at your watch and say, "Okay, I got drenched at 3:15," <laughs> you know, this afternoon. Uh, on the other hand, you could be out walking, let's say, in a heavy mist, taking a long walk, and at a certain point, you realize, "I am drenched," but you don't know exactly when it happened. You couldn't like. Put a uh, you know time on it because it happens just so subtly and gradually. Absolutely, you, you never notice you never notice a dramatic shift. I don't think there's an end to it though. I don't either. I mean, just uh, from my own experience and everyone I've ever talked to, uh, I don't think there th there are milestones, you know. But I don't think that there's any point in, uh, at which you could say, I could not possibly grow any further than this. There are people who say that, but I think they're mistaken. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I would say it's unlikely. Yeah. You know, the, the human body is always can be refined more. Mm -hmm. You know, there could always be more, more learned, more experienced. So I think you have a certain base, and then you build on that base, and there's no limit to where you can build to. Yeah. So I, think what I don't like to think of, of a of a finality to it or like this is it okay got that done right done you know i don't i don't i don't feel that that's so much the case i think what happens with a lot of people is that they um have a sort of a initially such a strong identification with the absolute or with being or whatever we want to call it 
uh, and they can see from their experience that that really doesn't change. So they figure, well, you know, the whole notion of progress is meaningless because how can this progress? It's just the same all the time. It doesn't get <laughs> any more absolute than it is. Uh, but you know, I, I would counter that by saying that there is an infinite range of possibilities in terms of the, uh, you know, the infusion of that into one's experience of life and into, as you say, the refinement of the physiology, the perceptual refinement, and so the, the ability to express that, the ability to live it more fully. Um, you know, it's like a light. Light is light. But you can have a, a relatively dim light, or you can have this blazing. You know, I can have like the sun or something really, really bright. Uh, so it's the same thing. It's light. You know, certain electromag right. electromagnetic waves within a certain spectrum, but there are so many degrees of intensity possible. And right. uh, you know, Absolutely. my experience, at least, um, the the clarity or the intensity uh, continues to grow. Yes, absolutely. Now, what I found using the, ener the energy work, mm -hmm. which I re it's really a, a tremendous thing for me to witness, is that the this you could say this this wholeness, whatever, starts to actually, and almost like a beam, work work on the individual and actually facilitate further openings and further advancements in the in that person's energy and awareness, and it and just to see that there's really no limit to it. Right. So I can't really feel an end to it. You know, because the body can always be a little bit more refined. There's more capacities awakening more and more and more in the brain, whatever. And I don't really feel that, the, you know, there's a limitation on that, even though they may be perfectly established in that sense of being that's unshakable. Right. Within the, within the physical realm, yeah. there's infinite potential of growth and expansion, and the whole universe is still expanding. That's sure. not stopped. Who thinks we could stop, you know? Right. My, my perspective, anyway. Huh. <laughs> um, so do a lot of people who interact with you uh, as a healer, you know, do so because they f have, you know, they want to enhance their spiritual progress as opposed to just, you know, dealing with some physical issue? You know, a few. Uh -huh. But generally people are attracted to it because they feel like there's something that needs to be corrected or enhanced in some way physically. Or, for example, I work with people a lot recently with chronic fatigue chronic pain. But, you know, it's similar to why I started meditation. I didn't start meditation to realize some deeper truths. I started because I, I had, was suffering in some way. Yeah. I wanted relief. So that's okay, because once they feel the relief happening, and things, other things open up for them where they didn't expect, that's the thing that's so much fun about it. I work with people that, have, that don't know what meditation is, nor have they had any inclination to try it or even have any interest in it at all, completely outside their realm of interest or experience. And they'll, in an energy session, they'll go into a profoundly deep meditation. Mm -hmm. And then they'll come out and they'll go, what, what, what was that? <laughs> I said, yeah. well, were you wide awake and felt like your body was completely you know, gone? They said, yes. Mm -hmm. I said, that's a different state of consciousness. Mm. You know, you want to know what that's about? You want to know what happens to your physiology, how it repairs itself? You know, much faster than it does even sleep during the sleeping state. And they literally go right into that. Mm. And they could be, I could be talking to them at the time. It's not like, not like I'm telling them to you know, even close their eyes. But what happens is that when the energy comes in, it starts to kind of bring that brain in synchrony up uh, into being. 
And one person I was, back in the early days, I was, any chance I had to do this work, I would do. So this, this guy I knew owned this, a beauty salon. <laughs> so he says, come on into the salon and work on people there. So I'm, I'm in this beauty salon, mm-hmm. thinking to myself, what am I doing here? But here I am, you know. And it was noisy, and the, the dryers were going. Mm-hmm. And it was like utter pandemonium, okay? And so the, the owner's daughter was there, and I was, I was sitting, you know, she sat down in a chair. I said, hi, you know, I said, I'm going to do this energy thing. She says, okay. I said, is there anything that you'd like to tell me first? She goes, well, she says, I've, my mind has never stopped. My mind never stops sh- uh, moving, thinking, whirling constantly. From the time I get up, to, even all night, since I was born, it's been like this. Mm-hmm. I said, well, what do you think about that? I said, are you happy with that? She goes, no. She said, I want quiet. I just want quiet. And I said, well, I can provide that for you, I think. She goes, good luck. People have tried. I've been to every, you know, hypnosis, acupuncture, this, that, and that. And she said, there's no hope. I said, okay. So I started working on her. And I can tell when the thing connects. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a, sometimes it's fast. Sometimes it may take a few minutes. There might be some resistance or some confusion in the person or whatever. But once it connects, I can feel like, you know, something something is is finally like being plugged in. Right. So I could feel this thing plug in to her. And then I looked down and I kind of whispered to her. I said, how you doing? And she looked up at me and she said, what are you? <laughs> I said, I wish I could tell you. But she went into a deep silence. Yeah. So what I realized was the, the, the reason this is so valuable is not because it fixes the body and things like that. So that can happen as a byproduct. But really what it does, it produces this deep silence, not only um, subjectively, but in the, in the physiology mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. With many people, I can't say every person, but quite relatively quickly and sometimes very quickly. Uh-huh. And so that's why sometimes in my, my day job business, where I do you know, real estate uh, and do a lot of real estate closings, I'll be in the middle of a closing and uh, you know, some, they can be pretty intense, especially these large commercial transactions. And somebody will uh, express that they have a headache or something's going on. So... I use my discretion, but from time to time I'll say, you know, I might be able to help you with that. And they'll go, what do you mean? So we'll come in my office for a second, and I'll spend five minutes with them, and pow! They let go of the headache, but also what happens is the clarity comes back, and they let go, and they can actually function much better. Uh, Sometimes I don't tell them, although there's there's some question about ethics with that, either whether you should work on someone without their permission. I usually don't do that. But sometimes if I'm prompted and I feel it's correct to do, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, 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 very, it's rewarding to see because the, things, the negativity lifts up. Mm-hmm. And then the direction changes. So I would like to use this uh, in a corporate setting. I've done a few things like that, but I'd like to really do a lot of it. Because yeah. I feel you can take an organization and take maybe the, a group of key people in the organization and work on them and then train them because I can teach them how to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. And then just use that as, as kind of a, a way to generate you know, coherence. And also, using this distant energy techniques, you can use that energy not only on a one-on-one person basis, but also to, to send energy to a relationship, for example, with a client mm-hmm. or a department in the company or something like that, to facilitate the more harmonious functioning and more creativity to flow, because then you're going to balance out the collective brain of that of the recipient of that energy. Yeah. So it's very intriguing, you know, the applications of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, 
Uh, one, one thought that comes to mind is that you would probably consider yourself to be a, a catalyst uh, rather than a sort of a, an agent that is really doing something. And, you know, because uh, what, you're, what you're essentially doing is it's not like energy. You said this earlier. Energy is not going from <clears throat> Bill to Mr. X. It's, you know, you, you are just sort of like a mechanic who can kind of tune the engine of the car a little bit so it runs more efficiently. You're, you're, you, you've kind of found a way of bringing people more into alignment and then that bigger that energy, which is which essentially we are, and which is bigger than all of us, it, you know, takes care of things for you. Totally, totally. Yeah. What it is is it's the, you know, anything that that, that lives is is alive because this energy is mm. is connecting and moving through it. Yeah. What I, what I do, the best I can describe it is to, is to solidify and amplify that connection. Mm -hmm. And and when that connection is is solidified, the energy. This type of energy is a higher frequency than just normal, everyday keep you alive kind of energy. It's a, it's a an evolutionary energy. It amplifies that evolutionary force dramatically. So what I do is I just take the connection that's already there, and I somehow solidify that the connection is stronger, and then the amplitude or the force of the energy mm -hmm. is increased. So it moves mm -hmm. through with more, say, more. Uh, more push. Mm -hmm. Now it's very non-invasive energy. It's not going to blast them out of the water because it, it modulates itself so that's gentle, but it's also strong enough or powerful enough to deal with what's what's going on, what's presenting itself at the time. Mm. So I, I, it's fascinating to watch how it, it modulates itself. It'll get really, really strong in a particular area. Mm. Then it'll just ease up. Then it'll start to move here and there, and and uh, it's just fascinating to me. It's it's just. Everything is yeah. every single session is completely different. It's like an art form. It's fascinating to me that you can perceive all that or sense all that because if I were in a room with with a person, I don't know, I just wouldn't pick up on all that stuff. You know, not right. Maybe I have the ability if I were trained, but I haven't been and and I don't and and I wouldn't have a clue as to you know how things are moving or loosening up or <laughs> or anything like that. Right. So now, I don't. Now, interestingly enough, I don't go into a room and, and see that either. Uh -huh. Unless I'm doing energy work. Now, maybe this is just a way to, to shut that off because mm -hmm. there's a lot of data that maybe not even be relevant or, or any of my business. But when, when I'm doing an energy session with someone, that's when this happens for me. Oh, yeah. And, I, I wasn't suggesting that you do right. it sort of like in a business meeting or something, but just right. that when you're actually doing your energy thing, that you, yes. you perceive all this stuff or sense it. And, and I find that kind of interesting that you have that. I mean, some people would be skeptical, and they would they would just think that you're kind of making it all up or something. Right. There's there's this fellow in one of in this chat group that I frequent that is a really nice, intelligent guy, but he's very skeptical. You know, he's sort of used to be a long-term meditator. He's sort of become an atheist and mm -hmm. and, and uh, very skeptical about things. But he's skeptical in a very intelligent way, and he always ah, uh, and he right. always wants he, he you know he's very honest. He'll he'll admit when he's wrong and or when he's been proven wrong. But he he really wants sort of nitty-gritty uh, evidence of things. Um, I really value those people so much. Those are my favorite clients. Yeah. I'll give you an example. In fact, I was just as skeptical as they were because uh -huh. I really hadn't had any experience with this kind of thing. I'd read all these books like Yogananda and all this stuff, these miraculous right. uh, things that can happen. But, you know, I was so hungry for something like this, but I never had it. You know, I've had great meditations and stuff like uh -huh. that, but nothing like, say, a phenomenon. <clears throat> so when I started... When I was a, kind of a novice at this energy work, I had this woman at my house, and she happened to be a very prominent uh, you know, doctor of education who was my son's guidance counselor. Mm -hmm. 
at a big high school in the north suburbs here. Mm-hmm. And she, I was in her office talking about my son one day. And he, was a, he was a special ed student back then. And we were just talking, and something prompted me to mention that I was practicing this Reiki. And she says, oh, I was just, I was just researching that last week. I, I got an interest in it. Wow. So I said, come over to the house, and I'll, I'll do a treatment on you. Mm-hmm. So I was working on her, and I had my hands on her neck. And all of a sudden, in my mind's eye, I see horses galloping. Hmm. So I said to her, I really didn't, I really was weighing whether I should say it or not because I didn't want this person to think I was a nutcase, you know, although it was probably too late for that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to her, I'm seeing horses, you know, galloping. She goes, Well, okay. I fell off a horse. That's how I hurt my neck. Ah. So I thought to myself, Nah, I mean, this is far fetched. I, I mean, I completely was skeptical about it. But it was so. This clear. is when you were really like, kind of new at this. this, this yeah, this. it was uh, six months into it. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, so I thought, okay, I mean, that's that's a fluke. Mm-hmm. I had to admit that it was pretty right on. Yeah. It was a fluke. But you know, every time someone would come over for a session, something like that would happen, and each time I felt more and more confident that if I spoke it out, I only would speak it out if I felt it was helpful. In, so you mean you would often have visual things like that? Sometimes visual. That, that Sometimes pertain feeling. to the thing that caused the uh, problem? Yes. For example, I'd see them, I'd feel them drowning. Uh-huh. And I'd ever ask them if they, if, they were, uh, if they were a swimmer. And they said, yes. I said, did you ever swallow water? Yes. They had to pop my, you know, they had to pull me out of the pool. Uh-huh. So that kind of stuff. Yeah. I also saw some pretty, you know, unpleasant things like abuse and things like that. And I'm, right. I'm always very careful how I express it. Yeah. I'll say to the person, you know, were you ever treated roughly in any way or something like that? And then if they want to talk about it, they do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we just let it go. Yeah. So, you know, there's a certain, I'm very sensitive to how people feel, and I don't want to make them uncomfortable in any way or feel like I'm prying into their, you know, like I'm using some kind of a spooky power to sure. dig into their secrets. Yeah. But, but, but it's very, it's, it's so frequent for me now that it's, I mean, I'm surprised when, when I, people make a big deal out of it. It's, it's not a big deal. It's just the way the energy functions. And sometimes I need to know that because I may say a word or two and that will help them release that thing mm. that maybe has been with them for, for their, lo- their whole lives. They didn't know it. Yeah. And it's just pointing it out to them intellectually while that energy is dislodging it. Sometimes that's the missing piece and then it just, it just comes out. Mm. So I, I, but I will, I will be using a lot of discretion when I bring those kind of things up. And yes, I don't, it doesn't happen every time. So if someone were going to use me as a, science experiment, I would say find someone else because it's not like on command, like I'm going to read you now. Right. You know, like, like there's a friend of mine, Carolyn Mace. I mean, she can do, you know, she can do that because that, that's what her, her, her gift is. Oh, yeah. She I've can heard of her. Look at you. Yeah. And she can, when she first started out, um, Dr. Sheely, this famous Norm Sheely, this great doctor, was doing an experiment with her. He'd be in uh, Missouri and she'd be here in Chicago. And he'd say, Rick Archer walked in my office and he'd shut up. And she'd talk about 15 minutes, everything conceivable about your physio- physiology, your psychology, what's wrong with you, why it's wrong, what, you know, all this stuff. And yeah. then he would document and he would verify the testing with scientific, with his own medical scientific uh, diagnostic tools. And he verified about 95% accuracy. Yeah. Uh, now, that's not my, my talent. Although, well, for me, I will feel things only when, they, when they're appropriate in the moment for that person. Right. So, in other words, it's not just sort of a circus act. It's, it's more like when something needs to be seen or known, you see or know it. 
right. and uh, it's not just sort of for amusement or something like that. No, it can be amusing. Yeah. Uh, I find it amusing sometimes, and, and the people find it interesting, but it's definitely not a circus act in the sense that I can't, I can't do it on command necessarily because yeah. I'm not really doing it. It's just something I'm feeling or, or picking up on, and I don't have an agenda that I'm going to see stuff and read stuff about with people. Hmm. It's just that when the energy facilitates that knowingness and, and it's appropriate to mention it, then it will come up. There's a friend of mine whom I've interviewed on this show, Mary Foster. I don't know if you saw her interview. It was one of the earlier ones. Not yet. Not but, yet. Uh, she said that um, she ha has a thing still, I guess, and uh, where if she can be talking to somebody on the phone, like you know, a customer support salesperson or something mm -hmm. at, a, at a company, and just from the sound of the person's voice, a few words, she'll start to s know all this stuff about their life. Yes. Oh, the woman's going through a divorce. She has three kids, and this kid's on drugs. You know, just sort of right, all right, kinds right, of details right, right. just start coming to her. The tremendous talent. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't say that consistently if I'm not doing a, a, an energy session for someone. Mm -hmm. It happened to me. I was on the phone with a, a woman at a company once. We were working through some real estate situation, and. And I talked to her for a few minutes, and then I first I couldn't help it. I started telling her about herself, <laughs> and it was just so freakily right. Did it, freak it really kind of scared her, but but she she laughed about it. But yeah, I think she was a little a slightly. Um, one time when I first started doing this work back in, in like 18, 1989, there was a, a woman that worked across the hall from me, that I, um, with an affiliated company, and I was over there uh, talking to her about something I was working on with her, and I looked at her and. In those days, I hadn't really developed much of a discretion, or I was such like a new toy. Mm -hmm. So I said to her, is there something wrong with your ears? Huh. Just blurted it out. She looks at me, she goes, no! Like, uh, get out of here. She must have been she, thinking that like you couldn't hear, she couldn't hear what you were saying, like you, you right. know, she was dense or something. Right. So anyway, you know, I said, I'm sorry, you know. So I went back to my office, mm -hmm. and I'm doing my, I'm on the phone. She, about an hour later, she burst into my office, mad as hell. She goes, how did you know about my ears? I sat back and what are you talking about? She goes, I can't even shower in the morning without putting earplugs in my ears. I have hyper, hypersensitive ears. Oh. You know, it's just going on and on. And she was upset. Mm -hmm. Like I tried into her. It was, I like, think you've it been, really, like you've been hacking into her Facebook account or something. Yeah. <laughs> for the days of way before Facebook. Yeah. And then... Uh, so I, I said, well, here, why don't you read this book? I gave her this Reiki manual. Uh -huh. And she, she, she took it with her, and she came back an hour later. She threw it back in my desk. She says, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Wow. So obviously, kind of, you know, she wasn't ready. Kind nor of shut did down. She appreciate. Yeah. And so I learned a lesson with that. You know, it was a minor thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's, like I say, it's, it's not a parlor trick. And what happened was the energy was trying to correct her ears. See, the only time I see this stuff is if it's being corrected. Right. It's not an. It's not just for the sake of diagnosis. Hmm. I don't. I don't claim to diagnose people's diseases. When I feel something happening in them, it's because it's being corrected or being unwound or being facilitated or in, or some, in some way. Otherwise, I wouldn't see it. Yeah. It's just not a casual observation. Now, when you speak of the energy, um, you ha you do so in a sort of anthropomorphic sense. In other words, you. You know, you speak of it as though it were an intelligent being who is sort of working on the person and intelligently sort of channeling itself here and channeling itself here and doing this and doing that. It's not just some kind of, you know, vague amorphous thing. Um, hmm. And uh, 
do you concur with what I'm saying? I mean, that's the way you, that's what you're implying when you speak about the energy. It, um, and it's almost as though, uh, it's not as though you are di directing the energy like a puppeteer. It's more like, uh, you know, the energy has a, has a flow and you're just sort of um, calling its attention to something, uh, you know, like a traffic cop or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, you're just sort of somehow... An air traffic controller. Yeah, kind of participating <laughs> in what the energy really wants to do anyway, but as as though it needed a sort of a an earthly representative to help facilitate a transition for a person. You know, I believe it. I believe, I won't say it needs it, mm -hmm. but well, I guess you could say it needs it or it requires. It requires a conduit. Yeah. And And why that is, you know. Maybe it's a sense of like sort of an intermediary, you know, where the energy is sort of on its level and the person needing help is on another level and they're so disconnected from one another because of being out of the person being out of alignment that it needs someone who is well connected to intermediate and help to kind of bring the two together you know you know from a cosmic sense you know we are that energy so the energy takes certain uh, will form a certain type of individual who can facilitate this flow of energy to 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 help another type of energy form that needs that energy it's it's kind of like that that illusory part of, of life the maya uh -huh. you know so in, within the maya context yes i mean i'm a conduit for it and it quote unquote seems to need me in that case because i have a particular connection with it not any better or worse than some there's a lot of talented healers a lot of coming in and out of your town too uh -huh. that each have a tremendous gift to offer but they're not exactly the same thing right so i i don't feel myself as a competitor to anyone i feel that what i do is facilitates and enhances whatever else the person's doing. Sure. That's the nature of it. In other words, it supports and enhances whatever that person's direction or whatever they want to do, whether it's chemotherapy they choose or whether it's, you know, uh, they want to develop bodybuilding skills or, or taekwondo or whatever. The energy will help them to make the most optimal possible situation and outcome with whatever they're doing. Yeah. And this is just a role that you're, you're playing that you're, you know... Well suited. It well suited I, I didn't to consciously play. choose it, really. No, I mean, but you were just attracted to it. You, know, you thought, I was attracted oh, to yeah, Reiki, it. this looks interesting. I think I'll check this out. You know, and you just what, your life just kind of flowed in that direction, and you found you had a knack for it. That's it. Perfectly yeah. accurate. Absolutely. Yeah. Somewhere a bit earlier, when you were talking, I was reminded of the story of um, you know Jesus and the centurion who came to him. Remember that story? If you know the Bible very well, it was a, a Roman soldier who came, and of course, the you know Jesus was like in totally different. Uh, social group than the Roman soldier, uh, but the Roman soldier had heard about Jesus and had a great deal of sort of respect for him, and and said, you know, I, f I forget what it was, whether his, his someone in his family or one of his others, maybe it was soldiers or somebody who needed help, and he asked Jesus if he would come and help the person, and uh, how was it? I'm sorry, you know this story? It's it's no, like not that well. It's like he. Uh, well, he he went to him and and asked for his blessings. My, on my upbringing, we focused on the Old Testament. Uh -huh, okay, <laughs> he asked for his his blessings on the situation somehow, and uh, Jesus, you know, offered to come there to 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 help. And, and he said, No, no, you don't need to come there. He said, You know, I'm a I'm an officer in the military, and if I want something done, I just order my men and they go and do it. And so I know you can do it that way. You know, you don't have to physically go there. You you if it's your intention that this help be provided. It will be provided by virtue of you know just 
you know, yes, yes, what, yes. whatever powers are at your beck and call. Right. And, and you know, Jesus sort of appreciated the guy for his faith and and his insight, and that's the way it turned out. You know. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, and and I think from what, from my limited understanding of the of the New Testament, Jesus said that that all these things he was demonstrating are capacities we all have. Yes. And that we would eventually manifest them in even greater things. Yeah, he said that. So he did, and uh, you know, many of these things reflect what what he was doing, mm -hmm. being able to do. Uh, Healings at a distance, uh, with or without the person's knowledge mm -hmm. or participation. Um, some things that happen are, you know, would be considered miraculous mm. if that's your the way you view things. Things that happen that are not explainable are miraculous. Yeah. Maybe one day they'll be scientifically explained, just like everything else is. But at this point in our in our in our cult evolution as a culture, certain things are still considered miraculous. Sure. If they don't fit miraculous just means they don't. They, yeah, that's it. I mean, it just means miraculous just means something's happening that is based upon principles that we don't yet understand. I mean, and I've experienced. You know, 200 years ago, if someone had seen a 747 fly over, <laughs> that would have been pretty miraculous. <laughs> right. You know, but now we so understand the how that, that works. Know, the things that we, that people that do energy work, for example, or experience fairly regularly, you know, many could be qualified as miracles. Maybe minor. Mm -hmm. Not major. Sometimes they're major. Um, the thing is, is that the understanding is that the doer. You can doer, put this cord in front of your arm if you want, like this. Oh, okay. And then it won't have to. Yeah, there, ah. Now you won't have to keep flipping it over your shoulder. <laughs> okay, good. That, that saves <laughs> some energy they can use for you. But, <laughs> so, but anyway, you know, uh, I mean, I've had so many experiences that one would say are miraculous. Mm -hmm. You know, doing this work and, and experiencing it along with the person or hearing about it. You know, later it was really funny that when I first started teaching this this stuff, we had a I taught people this distant healing technique, and part of our class was we got we sit around in a circle and we each choose someone as a recipient. Mm -hmm. So one of the people chooses our uncle Fred, who lives in you know Fresno, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really we had we didn't have a picture of him. We just knew his name was Uncle Fred, and we all you know did this this process, and we we spent five minutes you know sending this energy to Uncle Fred. Didn't know anything about him. He didn't know anything about us. And then I asked them to contact us, to contact me, you know, the next day and let me know if any experiences or any feedback came from these recipients. She calls up. She goes, well, I talked to Uncle Fred uh, tonight. Did Uncle Fred said, even yeah. know that you guys were doing this no. for him? No, okay. No clue. He didn't know what it was that his niece was involved in or anything. Mm -hmm. So she called up Uncle Fred. She goes, Fred, how was your day today? He goes, the weirdest day of my life. She says, what happened? Well, it turns out Fred had MS, and he, he usually used a walker mm -hmm. or even a wheelchair from time to time. So the family went out for Sunday brunch to this really nice hotel where, you know, where they had a... So Fred, Freddie said that he was sitting down at the table. He said, I got up, grabbed a tray, took my food, came back and sat down and said, hey, I can't do that. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> use his walker. Just spontaneously, yeah. without his walker. And he felt great the whole day. And wow. she says, well, what time was that? He goes, it was about, it turned out to be around the time we were doing this. Oh, cool. Can we prove that it was the, the direct cause? Of course not. But we're pretty sure it was. Yeah. You know, and it was just our intent with a particular kind of focus on Fred, mm -hmm. whoever Fred may be. Consciousness knows who Fred is. He, it is Fred, right? So we don't have to say Fred was born in such such a day as a birthday in numerology or anything like that. We just said Uncle Fred. The intent was there. We all had the intent of her Uncle Fred. Consciousness knows who Uncle Fred is, as I said before. Energy knows. It's the same energy that flows through everything that's alive, everywhere. Mm 
Yeah, so that's interesting. That gets back to that thing I was saying earlier about the intelligence of it, you know? Because, you know, you get a, a, a room full of people in Chicago thinking about some guy in Fresno, and how in the world can that possibly connect? But it's like, you know, because they wouldn't know. You know, they as individuals wouldn't know anything about Uncle Fred or what he looks like or what his ailment was or anything else. But as you say, that intelligence, which is fundamental to both them and him and everything, uh, knows what they're up to. And somehow, you know, you tickle it here and it laughs over there. Totally. And, and, it's, it's, and it's an actual experience. It's not only a demonstration, but experiential. Because when you're doing this, you can feel something happening to this Fred guy. Hmm. You know something's going on. Something's moving through him. In fact, some people in the group may even say it's it's his legs or it's his back. You know, it's a and it, these people aren't psychics or you know, many of them are ordinary people. You know, that had no previous experience with us. Interesting. So what happens is it accesses this level of awareness that is kind of underneath the surface, the ego personality. Mm -hmm. It's always there, just kind of waiting to be discovered. And these are just ways that it, it opens it up. You know. Uh, and it flows in a certain way. And it's always, the beautiful thing is it's always for healing or upliftment. It can't be used for any kind of negative or destructive purpose. Yeah, that would make sense, you know, because this, this energy that you refer to, and there, I'm sure there are other words that we could apply, you know. Uh, um, it, you know, it's, it's not in the, in the harm game, you know. It doesn't, no. it, it wouldn't allow itself to be used to, like, you know, fry somebody's brain or something. No, and not only that, it's an interesting distinction. It also cannot be used to manipulate, even though if you think you're helping someone. For example, you know, Joe and Susie are having a terrible fight mm -hmm. and they, they may be getting divorced. Mm -hmm. You're going to send energy to fix their relationship. Mm. Big no-no. Right. Okay? You could send energy to each of them individually to uplift them mm -hmm. and, and to have the best thing for them. Right. But it may be that they, they split faster, amicably. Right. Or it may be they get back to whatever the outcome is. You have to learn... And this energy is a very a wonderful teacher because you learn how to let go of individual insistences of your of the outcome that you as an individual ego want to see happen. Mm. I've worked with a lot of people that are, you know, very ill, you know, really near the end of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I go in there with the intent, my intent as a human being, I want them to live and thrive and live another 10 years. Yeah. But I defer to the energy because the energy knows their soul and knows what they need and what the highest good. And sometimes... What has happened was, you know, they die really fast and, and peacefully. Mm, yeah. Sometimes they they live a lot longer. Huh. And I don't have an agenda. My agenda is that this happens for them in the most evolutionary, peaceful, and blissful way as as, as possible. Yeah. And uh, many times that means they pass easily. Hmm. One time I had an experience. I'll just do. I have a couple of minutes. Oh, to you have I, all the time you want. Yep. Okay. So. This maybe gets a little bit on the quote-unquote occult. Uh, uh, so pe people find so that interesting. I don't know if people here would be uh, too offended by that. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> so, I, and this, believe me, I have no experience. If they are, I'll give them their money back. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now anything goes, right? <laughs> I'll avoid the jokes, I promise. They bad. But anyway, my friend, uh, this friend of mine I've known since really since eighth grade, invited me, uh, told me his, his mother-in-law was, was very sick in hospice and uh, she had cancer for the last year or so. And uh, I knew this woman very well because I used to be her her attorney. I handled a lot of real estate closings for her in, uh, in another role I was playing in a different day. And uh, I said, well, I'd like to come visit her. Uh, she was at the Northwestern Hospital in Chicago. 
And I went to see her, and my friend was there, and his wife was there, was her daughter was there, and her other kids, and, the, and my granddaughter was there too, in the room. And uh, the woman was really in a lot of, I mean, she was full of, you know, IVs, in a lot of terrible pain, and she had a lot of emotional pain. She had lost some really, she had some tragedies in her life, really kind of major ones. And uh, and so I came, I bent over the bed, and I said, hi, I said, remember me, you know? She oh, yes. I said, well, I'm not here for a real estate closing today, you know, I'm in a different capacity. And she goes, what do you, um, thanks for coming, what do you do? I said, well, I do, a, you know, energy healing work. I won't try to explain it to you, but can I just try it on you? She says, okay. So I started doing this, you know, started channeling, for lack of a better word, the conduit, this energy. And I could feel, after 10 minutes or so, wow, you know, that connection was there, mm -hmm. starting to flow and circulate. <clears throat> and after about another 10 minutes, she looks up at me, and she says, I don't know what this is, but you have no idea what this is doing for me. I said, what? She goes, I can't describe it. I feel such peace like I've never felt in my entire life. Mm. You know, she was like 80. Right. Uh, and I'm just, I just have this... She said, is this something you teach? I said, yes. She goes, promise me. You'll teach my granddaughter how to do this. Mm. I said, I promise. And um, so I stayed with her for about an hour. And it was just... And the room got so silent. Mm. You know, because there's so much anxiety and pain going on there. And it just... Everything just settled down, like almost like a golden mist, you know. All of a sudden, like I could feel like the hairs on my neck stand up. Hmm. And I said to her, I turned around and I said to her daughter, did, did, she have a, did she have a sister? She said, yeah. I said, did the sister die? Predeceased, you know, she's already passed. She goes, yes. I said, were they like really close? She goes, yes, why are you asking? I said, I don't know, but I think the sister's here. Yeah. I didn't see anything. Hmm. You know, like medium, when they, she sees people walking in and out of the room, like right. whatever. I didn't see anything, you know, as far as an apparition. Mm -hmm. All it was was a knowingness that this was going on. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I shared that. I, I couldn't help it. And so I left, and uh, I got a call, like, the next morning at 6 a.m. She had passed at 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't expected to pass quickly. I mean, she was going to keep going. You know, they had her pump full of all these medicines. Right. Constant agony. Yeah. She let go. She just let go. And I thought... That's what I call a healing. The other experience I had, and I'll get off this subject, but one time I was called by one of my students to visit uh, her close friend who was really, was ill, you know, cancer. Um, and she was in the hospital, and, you know, she had talked to her on the phone an hour before. She said, yeah, come on over. You know, you guys can do some energy work for me. So we walked in the hospital room, and I was shocked when I walked in because the woman was near death, completely gone, you know, out of it. And had, you know, that really, that look of, you know, the body, the life force had almost completely gone. And we were standing in the back of the room, and the doctor came, comes in and tells the family, you know, she's got minutes to hours left. Mm -hmm. So I said, I said, Gina, we don't belong here. Mm -hmm. you know, this is the family. I, mean, I, I don't even know this woman. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll say, let's get out of here, but I'm going to continue to send her energy. Okay, fine. So I leave the hospital. And I was a little, a little taken aback by it. I, wasn't ex I was expecting someone who wasn't feeling well, sitting up, talking, you know. Right. And I saw something that was really, like, really extreme, which I really was not that accustomed to. So I was driving home, and uh, I continued to send energy to her while I was driving. And I had this vision in my mind, like a, an image of, you know, like a hot air balloon? Mm -hmm. 
you know, and they have the, the ropes tethered to the to the ground. Yeah. Well, imagine a, a really big, powerful hot air balloon, and the rope is starting to is frayed, and it's starting to like unwind and pop. You know, the mm -hmm. the threads popping, and all of a sudden it's hanging by a thread. Right. And I'm seeing this in my mind's eye, you know, almost visually. All of a sudden, it pops. Mm -hmm. And the only way I could describe it was this uprushing of energy, hmm. uh, uh, an ascension of energy, with such force that I thought, how am I going to drive this car? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I felt this, this re the release was in the, in the rushing up so amazing and powerful I thought hey I am never going to feel sorry for people that die again mm. you know especially she's obviously a good person had a lot of peace you know built up she was an energy worker herself and meditator uh, and all these uh, uh, and what an, an incredible experience so, so you, you knew at that time that she had just died and that you were oh, yeah, that was tuning later, into I, yeah. I didn't get confirmation but I, it was confirmed later right. but I knew at that instant I could feel that string snap yeah and that what happened afterwards, oh, man, well, she was ready. I mean, that doesn't always happen. I think there's sometimes a longer, more difficult transition. But in her case, it was an instant, like, wow. So I've, I've had some interesting and really re rewarding experiences with that, huh. although that's my, you know, uh, my main thing. But so it, even it though you people. sometimes have experience of um, a real high experience when, yes. when oh. somebody else is undergoing a high experience, you don't have the low experiences. In other words, you don't feel depression or pain or something. Don't so much. feel depression, but I know they're depressed. Uh -huh. I can feel their depression. Right. Very deeply. You feel it, but you somehow don't own it. But I feel it like it's it's in them. It's not in me. Yeah. It's hard to describe. Right. It's almost like a such a simpatico. You know, you in a sense you become that person, but you're you're not them. Uh -huh. But it's 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 very difficult to, to describe. But it's it's a sense. Mm -hmm. It's a knowingness about what they're feeling, and you can actually feel the feeling. But the feeling is theirs, not yours, mm. as it were. Yeah. And you can also feel when it unwinds mm -hmm. and it starts to shift. I can tell when someone's getting lighter. And, and they always can, almost always confirm it. Hmm. Maybe I'll say something and they don't really notice it until like five minutes later. you know. But I tell them as little as possible ahead of time because I don't want them to think that I'm planting like these post-hypnotic yeah. Right? So they'll say, what am I supposed to feel? I said, you're not supposed to feel anything. You feel whatever happens you right. know, in the moment. Uh, I will say generally people feel some sense of quiet, you know, and the nervous system settling down. Beyond that, I said, I don't say a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't tell them they're going to get hot or they're going to get cold or they're going right. to feel something moving. Because then, it's, it's, first of all, it's more, it's more of a, a surprise and a, like a interesting for them. If it spontaneously happens, then if <clears> I had told them ahead of time, there's always that little doubt that, you know, this guy is really good. He, he gave me some suggestion, and now I'm, I'm feeling it, you know, big deal. Right. So I keep as mum as I can about what I expect to happen ahead of time. What do you feel is happening with me now? Oh. You've forgotten all about me. <laughs> I forgot all about you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Such a good interview. You got my, you got my ego all, intellect all wrapped up. <laughs> I do feel like you, your eyes took in a lot of energy. Like maybe you have some eye strain or something going on with that. Um, I also feel a lot of um, loosening here and loosening here. Hmm. You know, that has happened over the last half hour. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, for the sake of those who are listening in the audio, uh, without the video, I'll say here and here he he pointed to his heart, ah. heart and the back of his neck. 
Yeah. Also, what I would say is perhaps you have a little bit of the jaw tensing, mm-hmm. maybe when you sleep. So I feel that that's loosened up a little bit. The mm-hmm. jaw is loosened up. Um, and I think your respiration is a little better. Hmm. There might have been a little respiratory thing with a, that happens. Maybe it's an allergy or something. Uh, mm, not so not. much. But uh, so the other things you mentioned uh, were kind of right on. I. Uh, I get a headache almost every day from sitting at the computer for you know all those hours you know which I have to do to, uh, for my job, and you know every cell in my body wants to just jump up and go take a bike ride or something, but I have to keep working mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, I often feel kind of you know a headache from just forcing myself to sit like that. And I have a bit of a one now, still, okay. still left over from today, although I got rid of most of it when I meditated, but. Um, when, as we were talking, you know, you, earlier you said the energy was sort of rising up from the base of my spine, and and one thing unusual that I noticed a few times was a very specific, sharp pain in my heart area. Um, well, that's was, why when I said respiration, yeah, it, it was subtle. I mean, it wasn't like a, a general overall ache. It was more like a little, little knife pain, just a real kind of not strong, but just sort of throbbing, and occasionally, and I felt like something good was happening there. Um, mm-hmm. But I still have the headache. And whenever I mention this headache stuff to my wife, she always says, well, you might need glasses or something. But I don't think it's that because my eyesight is very good. I can see precisely little letters on the screen and everything. But it's more just the sort of the... I think it's more of an eye strain than it is a... Yeah, a it's just having to sit in a sedentary way and stare and do this detailed stuff, much of which is not inherently interesting, and do it hour after hour, you know. Um, mm. It gives me a headache. But You know, would it be possible for you, Just mm-hmm. it's just occurring to me, to um, and this is more along the lines of using energy with the, these releasing techniques. Mm-hmm. But could you welcome the sense of that headache just for now? Hmm. Every day or right now? Just now. Mm-hmm. Well, and, in, and, a, in uh, a sense, I do that. Like when I meditate, for instance, I'm not trying to get away from any discomfort. I'm actually looking for it. <laughs> yes, know, yes. Just allowing my okay. Here's the pain. Now let's just dwell on that, you know, and just keep dwelling on it. And I can feel it sort of soothing and healing and and stuff like that. Good, good. There's a non-resistance to it that really allows it to let go. Yeah. Because when we have a pain, our our initial response is to grip, like to push against yeah, it. Yeah, try to put our attention somewhere else. No, I, I know about that. Right. <clears throat> and although when you're working, you know, you, you might be kind of ignoring a headache because you're focusing on other stuff and doing stuff. Um, but when you know when I stop working and I'm just resting or meditating, or you know, then that's the time to just really dwell on whatever physical discomforts that may be there. Mm-hmm. This is the part that might bore the uh, audience here. Let's uh-huh. step in. Just going to be quiet for a minute. Okay. I'll close my eyes for a minute. Bear okay. with us, those who are just listening in the audio. Yes, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Think about Uncle Fred. <laughs> okay.
I'm feeling a lot of what, what's commonly known as kundalini moving up and down your spine. Hmm. I'm, and, not, uh, I'm not feeling it, but it is soothing to just sit and close my eyes. <laughs> and uh, I also feel like the, the headache wants to lift up out of the top of your head. Huh. So just put your attention up there for a second. Okay. Yes, loosening up the neck and shoulders, too. Mm. That's going to help with it. Yeah, they tend to get tight. Yeah. If you want, you know, I'll, we'll, afterwards we can do some more. You know, I don't want to... Yeah, or maybe when you come to Fairfield. Ooh, that was interesting. I just felt a real kind of jolt in my head there. Yeah, there's a lot of that, that kundalini energy shooting up there. Mm. You know, you might be so used to it that you don't notice it, you know. Yeah, I don't usually... I mean, I've had all kinds of things over the years, but, uh, <laughs> right. you know... I don't usually um, have anything intense like that going on. It's like there's something like right about here that's... Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, I'll have a thing here. You know, mm -hmm. there's definitely there's a feeling on the top of the head like a little like a chick trying to hatch. Or, or, yeah. in, or in this chakra yeah. here. You know? So what's going to happen is there's a slight, uh, not, a, not even a block, but a slight tweaking that, that, that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Once that happens, there's going to be... Some real cool stuff. Maybe when we can, maybe when you come to Fairfield, you can tweak me. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I'll be there on the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yeah, of November. Uh, November. <clears throat> Good. So, yeah, so we won't bore people with any more of this. Okay. One. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, especially our audio people. They, the poor, yeah. You know, they'll sit here and say, "Oh." Well, they right. may have felt they may have picked up a buzz from. They from may this. have. Yeah. And most of you who listen to the show will appreciate this kind of thing and wouldn't mind a few moments of silence anyway. Good. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, is there anything you feel like we haven't covered that uh, you know you'd like to say? Um, I think we did a really good job. Um, yeah. I mean, I could go on for hours about it because there's so many experiences I've had, but I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah. No, I, I would love to have people come uh, listen to me talk on November 4th at mm -hmm. the, I'm the mainstay, <clears throat> with, uh, Main Street. A really nice bed and breakfast there. Yeah, if if the people are in Fairfield, they'll uh, see ads for it or something. Yeah, there'll like be that. a couple of ads and stuff. Yeah. So, and what I do when I do the group thing is I do a group uh, energy session where I mm -hmm. I essentially send energy to everybody in the room mm -hmm. uh, together. Right. And I have a I have a process that I go through like a four step process where I, the energy comes in waves. Mm -hmm. Last time the people really uh, enjoyed it. They really had a lot of great feedback from. It. Yeah. Uh, people in Fairfield tend to be fairly receptive. I mean, you've got a group, sure, I would say so. <laughs> group of people that have been meditating 30 or 40 years and doing all kinds of other things as well. And um, sense that they're so sensitized, it's, it's yeah. just amazing. And uh, you know, it's all, all kinds of people like yourself and some of these saints we've been mentioning, and all. Right. And all they, they like coming here, you know. So it's an absolutely wonderful place to to, to come. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been in and out of there since the early 70s. Right. From time. To time. <clears throat> I used to teach in Chicago. I don't know if I knew you then. No. Uh, back around well, around uh, 1981 or something like that, I was in this group in downtown Chicago. Uh, 
anyway, it's a, you know, TM teaching. Yeah, but was that was that on Michigan Avenue or was it? Um, oh, I forget on, it. Was at a, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Yeah. Is that the one that had the restaurant? In the, in yeah, the, yeah, it was an Italian restaurant right next. Yeah, to I. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a great place. <laughs> in fact, anyway. I represent. I, I shouldn't tell the story, but I represented the guys at the center when they had to vacate the previous location. Uh, okay. And go into that location, they had some some yeah. landlord issues there. So. Do you ever feel like you'd rather be doing this full time rather than having to be a, a real estate lawyer? Uh, do I ever feel that? Yeah, I feel quite frequently. Yeah, uh, but I think I'm. I'm. You know, I, I would say as time as I go on in life, I'm, it's going to happen. You'll, like, you'll transition into it. I'm doing a lot more of this work. Within the last couple of months, it's it's really made some shifts, uh-huh. and uh, I tend to do a lot more of it. I, I could still handle both things right now pretty easily, but uh, um, I do intend to do a lot more group energy work, mm-hmm. which is very successful, and I could also do you know maybe conference calls and things of that nature where. We can do a group energy transmission, mm-hmm. which would be very, I think, very, uh, a lot of fun plus very beneficial. And I, I just, I just love it. Any, any way I can do more of it, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to explore. Good. Well, um, people will have, uh, you know, we'll have a little section on the Bat Gap website as we do with all the other guests, and we'll have a link to your website and contact wonderful. in contact info and stuff like that. It'll be wonderful. People can I would get really in touch. Be forward to that. That'd be great. Good. I really appreciate this. This is fabulous. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, all righty, so let's conclude. So this has been uh, another episode, number 40, I think, of Buddha at the Gas Pump. Um, my name is Rick Archer, and I've been speaking with Bill Farber. Um, and I'm not quite sure who our next guest is going to be because we might be going on vacation, but everything's a little bit up in the air, so we'll just surprise you with whoever it is. I've got a couple of possibilities. So <laughs> thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.